0: Sam, yeah, What's the one slogan AA members dread hearing when they go to the dentist? This tooth shall pass. <laughs> Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it, it through the, the grapevine. grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour. Featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm Don, an alcoholic
1: in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey Don. Hey everybody, I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. What's happening?
0: You know, Sam, the big book says, assuming we are spiritually fit, We can do all kinds of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. And you know, I've always wanted an app that would monitor my spiritual fitness (laughs) before going to a concert or, say, into a bar to order a sandwich and a glass of milk. And another glass of milk. And and another another glass glass of milk. And then it struck me. I, it would strike me to check my app and see if I'm spiritually fit. Ah, you are not spiritually fit. Or go forth and be useful. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good?
1: I'm I'm down for that. Um, it's going to
0: at least have comedic value. <laughs> Well, it's always hard to know exactly when you're spiritually fit. <laughs> no, but so That's why it's I, a good idea to maybe check in maybe with someone else even. <laughs> yeah. Use the phone to call your sponsor. That's using technology. <laughs> there we go. So how has technology affected your recovery? <laughs> oh man, it has affected my
1: recovery in myriad ways. I'm, you know, I'm Gen X and so I like grew up with technology exploding and I'm one of those people who adopted a lot of it. Um, yeah. I love the Meeting Guide app, for instance, though. <laughs> Me too. It is so cool. And one of the neat things that I love about it is that I've got the experience before Meeting Guide existed and after Meeting Guide existed. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember at about six months sober, I uh, went to New Mexico for the end of the year holidays with my grandmother to stay with family. And I'm you know, 75 miles outside of Albuquerque in a tiny little town called Berlin. I'm scouring the internet to find AA meetings, and I did find it. But now, anywhere I go, all I've got to do is just open the app. And lots of meetings around me are
0: right there for me to pick and choose from. It is so cool. Yeah, I'm. shoot, I was going to meetings out of town when I'd look at the web and it would be long time ago. So it would just be a typed list of meetings that were Mm -hmm. in the area that may or may not still be in existence. (laughs) It's true. And then you have to use MapQuest. I was going to say MapQuest. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have to print out the directions. Yeah, it's so nice with the meeting guide app. So how do where do all those meetings come from in that?
1: Well, they come from local sources. That's the super cool thing about it. It's not one entity maintaining all of that information, making sure it's correct. It comes from sources that are as close as you can get to the actual meetings and groups.
0: Yeah. It's updated.
1: Huh? Yeah. So in some cases, it's a district that's managing those entries. In some cases, it's an intergroup or a central office. In some cases, it's yeah. an area. It's generally maintained by people who are pretty close to the information.
0: Well, there's lots of ways that technology could improve. And it's really nice that, well, like this podcast <laughs> yeah, is a different way for people in A to reach out, meet, and connect. It proves to be yet another tool. I've already heard a few people
1: talking about how this adds to their recovery because they're able to get a little meeting in when they can't get to one. Sounds good. What's happening today? What's happening today? Oh Well, we're going to meet Lois and talk about her recovery technology and technology in AA. And she's especially qualified on the subject. Do you think she'd be interested in developing an app for me? For you? <laughs> yeah. mm, you'll have to ask Lois. <laughs> okay. Also, we're going to spend a few minutes checking in on hashtag heard in a meeting. All righty. First,
0: let's meet Lois.
2: I'm uh, Lois L. Uh, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. My home group in St. Louis is the Nick of Time group. Uh, it's only 45 minutes. You're in, you're out, you're spiritual. It's a lunch meeting.
0: <laughs> um, Nick of Time. That's, that's right.
2: great. And I've been sober 32 years.
0: Awesome. Wow. Lois, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to see you. So what was happening to you 32 years ago that made you think, I can't do this anymore. I need help.
2: (laughs) I was having blackouts. I found AA in the Yellow Pages. Uh, When I called the intergroup, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, out of the Yellow Pages, I explained to the guy who answered the phone that I just needed to understand what was happening in my hypothalamus that was causing it to shut down and had me (laughs) operating on autopilot. You know, so that I could go on about my business. And it's Very cool specific. though, because I I encountered the first miracle of AA because he he said to me, well, you know, because I wasn't, I didn't think I was an alcoholic, and he said, I don't I don't know what you are, but let me share with you what I am, right? Which was that's really that's the awesome. magic,
0: wow. isn't it? So you went to a meeting, and was it easy for you to walk into AA and and surrender, or I mean, were you completely done, or was there a little bit of a battle to it?
2: the traditions were what was attractive to me in AA in the beginning. And I don't even think I knew it, but at my first meeting, I- Wait a minute, the
0: traditions?
2: Yeah, so let me explain that to you. So at my very first meeting, I raised my hand and I said, I'm Lois and I don't know yet, right? So that's tradition three. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if I was an alcoholic or not and nobody kicked me out or made me stay, right? I loved that it didn't cost any money. The guy that I talked to at the central services, he kind of framed, he's like, well, why don't you just- Think of it like auditing a class. I was going to college at the time. Okay. okay. My, my story is a young person's story, right? And so, uh, tradition seven, right? Doesn't cost any money.
0: Tradition seven: Every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions.
2: There were no bosses, right? <laughs> you know, nobody could boss me around. Uh, which I really liked.
1: All of this is perfect for an alcoholic, right? Right.
2: Like it didn't have any affiliation with like churches and stuff like that. But Mm. so those were attractive. The steps were not as attractive. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, I had no desire to do a searching and fearless moral inventory or make amends, or even uh, I came in pretty agnostic. So a Mm -hmm. higher power was a hard thing for me in the beginning.
0: And did that change for you?
2: It did, but it, my spiritual experience was of the educational variety Mm -hmm. And I would say the first thing that happened for me was that I believed you believed and you weren't trying to get my money and you weren't trying to, I don't know, change my mind. The first thing that I realized was that I believed you believed. And my experience before that had been, I had seen religious release, but like to tell myself it wasn't so as they talk about. And we agnostics actually really worked for me right you know I can remember reading it and I was I don't I don't think I was completely sober when I was reading it I think it might have been reading it between bong hits but but I remember (laughs) thinking like oh you know it used a lot of great metaphors to to help open my mind just a little bit to like well maybe this can work
1: I I really like that and that was a problem for me coming in too and one of the things that just worked is God as you understand him and thankfully That means that you're not going to tell me what God needs to be for me, except that it's not me.
2: I admit the heckles on the will still stand up on the back of my neck when someone in a meeting says God is and then whatever they they, their conception of God is. And I'm in the back of my head. I was like, maybe yours.
0: That's right. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I was thinking recently in terms of the step three is that, you know, it said made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him, and I was working with a a sponsee who really struggled with this exactly as I did. And I think it's not really meaning as you understand higher power, but it's saying, as you now understand higher power, like, uh, is, is your life unmanageable? Do you believe that other people have a higher power and are living lives in a manageable way? well, are you ready to surrender to whatever that higher power is as you now understand it? That's a whole different thing than having to understand it.
2: I really liked the electricity metaphor. Mm -hmm. You you just have to switch on the light. You don't have to understand how it works. You just Mm -hmm. have to use it. So for me, I kind of, I stated a hypothesis. My hypothesis is that if I pray about this, it will get better. And so I started praying And then looking to see if it got better. And so in my own experience, my spiritual growth has been in the looking, in the observing and seeing if it got better.
1: I love that. So I I identify as atheist and I still pray and I'm spiritual. It's just, this is my thing and how it works for me. And what happens for me, one of the little, because I can't stop my brain from trying to figure out how this works. What I learned was don't let the trying to figure it out, get in the way of actually doing it. So I do the things and I observe and I find myself looking for the good things in life instead of focusing on the bad things and looking for the solutions. And you know, my, my attitude, my, the lens, the filter has changed.
0: I really like that, which is what I did. It's like, okay, this, it's a scientific method. So let's see if this works and try it. And then my higher power became my experience of what was actually working. Because before I came in, my life was a wreck. Lois, what do you think it means when the big book says if we're spiritually fit? What do you think spiritually fit means?
2: Well, that's interesting. I, I think it means emotional sobriety. We tell people to get a sponsor instead of telling people to use a sponsor.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I
2: think we should tell people to use a sponsor. Cause I was somebody who like checked off all the boxes. Like, okay, they said, I need that. I like to do a lot of the outside things. So it looked like I was okay. So I was all like, yep, <laughs> I'm." but I didn't use a sponsor. I got one, I had one in name. Well, and so, but then the question becomes, well, how does one use a sponsor, right? Well, I often tell the women I that are new to AA, like, listen, if you are emotionally disturbed which I think is the opposite of spiritually fit, right? Mm-hmm. If you are emotionally disturbed, then you should pick up the phone and call me, uh, because we're not good at. I mean, I didn't. The only emotion I came into a, a with was anger. Everything else I drank, and so when they come up, they're confusing, right? So I tend to think of spiritually fit as somehow being related to my emotional sobriety state.
1: So I believe there's actually a pamphlet titled "Where Where Spirituality and Money Mix" or something like that. I'm curious. What are your thoughts on where spirituality and technology mix? (laughs) Good question. Well,
2: I could go with this in so many directions, but Mm -hmm. I think the first one I would go to is connectedness. Mm. So if we think of spirituality as both that connectedness to our higher power, but also that connectedness to God with skin on. I would say that technology has really facilitated that for me, that connectedness, especially through what we've gone through over the last few years. But even before that, right, I have one article that I wrote for the Grapevine that was published and it was called Gadget Geek. And one of the things I talked about was, you know, like, like you, Sam, when I got sober, it was right at the beginning of, you know, AOL. And so I was a young person living with my mother in my mother's house and we had a phone on the wall. Right. And if I wanted to talk to my sponsor or another person in a when I'm emotionally disturbed, I'm having to secretly sort of do that in the kitchen where my mom can overhear. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So to not technology now with a cell phone and with, you know, even what we're doing right now has really helped me connect, not just with. AAs locally, but with AAs all over the world. To me, that relates to spirituality in some ways, or at least it can, right? If you promote that recovery that way.
1: I love that. I, I need people. I thought I was a lone wolf when I was a drinker. And one of the best ways that I've been able to get connected and stay connected was, you know, immersing in the fellowship, but also for a period of time, I traveled internationally for four years for work and I was able to stay connected with the people in recovery at home. Over social media, and
0: it was a really cool experience. We started a podcast called The Boiled Owl. It started because I was working in Florida and I was by myself on a job, so I was like, "When well, I need to have some recovery coming into me," and I searched for podcasts. This was seven years ago. There were a few, you know. I found Recovered Cast, which is still going on. And started listening to that. And it helped me so much because I felt connected. That's one way of connection. And then another is Zoom, which the pandemic Rocketed us into the 22nd century. To the 22nd century, (laughs) which this is being recorded over Zoom. And it's wonderful technology. And I thought that it would not work and that there could not be a real connection over Zoom. And I found that was wrong. I sponsor people that I've never met in person. And there's a real connection there. Lois, so
1: you've got your hands in a bit of the technology work in AA. You and I both, we met at the, uh, the National AA Technology Workshop in St. Louis, the first one. And so I know you work within that. You're also within the, the Technology in AA Forum. Do you want to talk about any of that stuff?
2: Yes, we'd love to. <laughs> I think for me, I found my tribe within my tribe. Uh, When when I found technology service in AA, and I've always been a part of it. I was one of the, you know, making the early websites, Um, but it actually relates to our conversation of connectedness because before that, I felt like this lone person trying to make this website, fighting these like horribly granular early battles about like guidelines and what we could post and how we couldn't say it was AA and, you know, to make some of these very first websites. Mm -hmm to uh, attending the first NAATW in 2014 in St. Louis. and What finding, does that stand for? Uh, yes, National AA Technology Workshop. And so I'd heard about it at a regional forum, and I found out they were going to have this workshop, and I went, and it was like I was no longer alone in technology service. Uh-huh. And, and that has been a really great thing, to find my tribe within my tribe. And, and I will tell you, it, it um, re-energized my sobriety, Mm-hmm. to find something that uh, was fascinating to me and all these other people that you know, were trying to do it. And one of the biggest benefits, I think, to AA as a whole of both the National AA Technology Workshop and the Technology and AA Online Forum is that we're no longer reinventing the wheel over and over again in isolation. And the value of that, because we've solved a lot of the early problems and we can share how we solve them, we can now be thinking about like, what's next? And how do we create the next thing? Like, maybe it's your app, you know, uh, for <laughs> spiritual fitness, but mostly it's like, what what are the next tools we can build that will help serve our primary purpose?
1: And that's a key portion of this is many of us do this professionally, but we're bringing our skills and talents that we've improved and gained over the years into how can we serve their primary purpose?
2: I do like to talk about, I'm not a technologist. Uh, Within my professional world, I focus on the people side of technology. Mm -hmm. So I focus on understanding how people use technology and trying to make it easier for people to use. And it's funny because one of the stories that uh, you guys were talking about at the very beginning about finding these websites that were so hard to navigate. I can remember in 2015, I actually with a colleague, Uh, From North Carolina, we presented at NAHEW about sort of the usability problems with a lot of those early AA websites, because they would say things that were very internally focused, like Hell's Kitchen and Chelsea. And that's how the meetings were listed. But I'm in New York. I don't know what Chelsea is.
0: Mm -hmm. I ran into that problem so many times.
2: So I get to now employ some of those skills when people will listen to me on my different bandwagons to try to make our technology easier for people to use.
1: Well, I think it's an incredible thing to talk about because the technology is the backside of it for the most part. And you're talking about the front facing part of it that people are interacting with. And that's what needs to just work. And it needs to work the way people work. So at that workshop is where I was the webmaster for a district. And I went back and talked to the district about, we need to redo this website because it's right now made for people who are already in AA and it's all about service and this and that. Well, what about the people who are checking out AA for the first time, who are looking for a meeting here, who don't know all of this lingo and all that stuff? And so that was a huge influence on changing that website to be useful to both people who are not informed about AA, as well as those who are.
2: Well, that makes my heart proud, Sam. And I will say that one of the things that the National AA Technology Workshop has been trying to do is have those artifacts as reference for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been at some of these great workshops, and then people will proudly say, and we're not recording any of this. And it kills me because i I want that maintained and passed on so it's saved. NAATW, it, it's been a struggle in some ways, but we've been really working at trying to go back through our archives, publishing where we can, mm-hmm. even recordings and talks together. The fact that we can go back and reference those things and, and pass them on to other people. Just the other night in the technology NAA online forum, I was able to share a recording of a talk that my friend Melissa and I gave in 2016 on sort of like digital strategy for AA websites, right? And, and so maybe it's much easier to pass some things on.
1: So now NAATW is going to have its first in-person workshop in two years this year, right?
2: Actually, it's very first hybrid workshop. Oh? Yes. We are meeting back together. In fact, the way NAATW host cities are chosen is people put in a bid. So this year we are going to Seattle, um, but we also are going to do hybrid because over the last two years in 2020, we didn't even call it the workshop. We called it sort of a virtual gathering because it was not, we weren't sure that we could replicate our workshop online. And it worked? It did. I mean, it was a scaled down. It was a one day event versus three days. And we saw a lot of registration. In 2021, we expanded to do three days. We added a $5 fee. And we saw, you know, more attendance and some people coming to the National AA Technology Workshop that maybe had never heard of it.
0: Well, who's invited?
2: Well, so it's, it's open to the general public. I mean, the, the perfect candidate would be anyone in your districts, areas, or intergroups that are focused on providing technology to members. And, and we see um, even members from the General Service Office attend, right, because they're also doing that. So that's the perfect audience. But there's other people that are like technology curious, like myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. That are just enthusiasts interested in technology.
0: And they're welcome to.
2: Absolutely. And in fact, you know, the best thing about hosting the National AA Technology Workshop in your local area is that it can actually build enthusiasm for technology service in your area and it attracts a different audience than what you might normally see in, say, general service, for example, mm-hmm. right? So that has been kind of interesting. For me, I I didn't know a lot of intergroup people, right? Uh, There are people that I serve in technology service with that we probably never would go to each other's home groups. (laughs) We probably have different ways of doing it, but technology service brought us together.
1: It really is a workshop for everybody. Not only is it nerdy people. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm a nerd and I'm an alcoholic but it's not nerdy people. It's people who use technology or interact with technology, but it may not be something that they enjoy doing, but they're they're
0: looking to understand how can I better do it or what are other people doing? What about meetings? What do you think about how meetings should approach becoming hybrid? Ooh. Um, I
2: love it when people ask me my thoughts. So, so here's where I, Dan, the interesting thing is, I believe that Tradition Five completely supports that we should be doing all of us where possible should offer hybrid meetings because it it fulfills the primary purpose of carrying the message. Mm-hmm. It absolutely aligns with tradition five. In terms of is it maintainable and sustainable from a group perspective, that is where my own home group found a lot of challenges. And you know, in the beginning with Zoom bombers, you know, we tried to have a host and a co-host and yeah. have people take that role. And we had and we we could not maintain volunteers. And what I've observed is that what happens is that someone will hero up both in a hybrid meeting and even in an online meeting, right? They'll take that responsibility. They'll bring their own personal computer. Mm-hmm. They'll bring their own speaker. And that only works for so long. It doesn't scale. And it really does put a lot of pressure on the individuals. This is why we all share the work and rotate in AA. Yes. Because when, when you start heroing up, it gets hard. And I even had to have you know a situation in my own home group where <laughs> I one day did not show up to my meeting specifically because I knew the person that who had agreed to host could not do it without support. And I didn't want to help. Now, I'm not proud of that. I mean, I called my sponsor after that, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was avoiding going to the meeting because I didn't want the responsibility of having to help again, even though I hadn't signed up, I knew I was going to have to. And my sponsor made me call a special group conscience, you know, and I had to tell my group how I was feeling.
0: Yes, but
2: I was feeling like just bailing because I didn't want to always be responsible,
0: kind of overextended yourself. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and let me tell you the result. And I'm not I can't tell you I'm happy about it. Um, My group had three meetings a week. We went as things started to ease. Two meetings went back in person. One was staying online. I thought that was ideal. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we did not have enough volunteers to support that online meeting. Yes. And so we ended it. And we just dropped down to two meetings a week, both in person and with no online presence. And I think that was right. I think that was a healthy choice for the group, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't love it. Those of us that were attending online found another online meeting and we migrated together. And I think we might see more of that when doing this kind of thing requires additional resources, both human and financial.
1: I've also witnessed this at other levels of AA service. Some areas are rife with technologists who can volunteer, and some are not. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's better for a, for instance, an area to go hire a professional to work on some of their technology, say their website, for instance, Rather than assuming that volunteers are going to show up that have the technical capability to do it properly.
2: Well, it's just almost too much to ask in some cases. It is. is that, it, and it's a know. lot of
1: work. It surely is. Lois, where can we find out more information about NAATW and TIAA Forum?
2: All right. NAATW.org this year going to be September 9th through the 11th in Seattle. You can go to the website and at least learn more about NAATW and also find some of those past talks I was talking about. The Technology and AA Online Forum is at tiaa-forum.org. You can join and start having conversations, or my favorite, search through old conversations uh, to get the answers you're seeking really quickly.
0: It's time for Pound Sign Heard in a Meeting. <laughs> no, Don, that's hashtag heard in a meeting. You Where know we still... I know that. I'm
1: still questioning that. <laughs> This is where we scour the interwebs for your posts of cool things you've heard in a meeting. Post them on social media with hashtag heard in a meeting, keeping in mind our tradition of anonymity. Here's what caught our attention this week. So Lois, (laughs) give me a number between one and 34. Seven. Seven. My brain is not my friend. My brain is out to murder me and make it look like an accident.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. Ooh, my brain is a dangerous place. Don't yeah. go there alone.
2: <laughs> I definitely think I have an alcoholic voice in my head. <laughs> and you need to let get the yes. other recovery voices to be louder, right? But in the beginning, the alcoholic voice is louder.
0: Uh, it really is. When my sponsor said, at one point, I was complaining about something, I just can't take it, and I, I just feel like I want to drink, and he was going... Yeah, it's in there rattling its cage, isn't it? And the idea of making alcoholism uh, <laughs> you know, a beast inside of me, it felt like that. It felt like some other voice inside of me. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> hey, Don, pick a number, 1
1: through 34. Let's say 30. 30. It's amazing all you can experience and accomplish when continual access to alcohol isn't your focus yeah
2: (laughs) i mean that that worked for me right like i i had so much more time on my hands Mm -hmm. a lot of people do right Mm -hmm. and that's why you know we have to look at ways to fill that right with meetings and with positive activities because i mean that's all i did i was either trying to get it or i had it and i was consuming it right i spent a lot of time trying trying to get things
0: yes
1: my mind was on my alcoholism a whole
0: lot. Yeah, I knew that drinking was a problem, and I knew that I drank a lot. But when I got into AA and learned that I need to include the time I think about alcohol as well as the time <laughs> that I'm drinking, well, then it's 24-7, you know? Pretty much.
2: I did have that experience when I quit smoking, too. Like, all of did a sudden, you? like, well, you used to be, like, when I would smoke, I could just sit there and smoke. And then when I stopped smoking, it, like, I couldn't just sit there.
1: Lois, give me a number. One to 34.
2: Uh, Let's do 32.
1: 32. It doesn't take courage to get sober. It takes desperation. It takes courage to stay sober. Mm. So I was absolutely desperate. It took me a while to get some traction trying to get sober. It takes some courage to get there, to do some of the things that I was afraid of.
2: I don't know if I think about it as courage, but I often talk about there's getting sober and there's staying sober you know, I spent a lot of my adult life staying sober. It is a different set of skills, Mm -hmm. right? So in getting sober, right, you often encounter people seeking relief or recovery, kind of a mixture of both, right? But some people just want relief. You can't sustain that feeling of relief. Recovery, you can sustain.
1: I, I, I wanted more in my life than just not drinking. And so I kept on doing the things that I've
0: learned to do in here. And my life got really big. And I love it. I spent a lot of time talking about courage when I first got sober and I was talking with an old timer about it. And he said, well, I don't really like the word courage. I prefer willingness because courage has mm-hmm. a moral element in it. And it's like a moral failure of some kind. And in a, I like focusing on willingness. Do I have the willingness to get sober? Do I have the willingness to do the steps. Do I have the willingness to follow the directions of my sponsor rather than labeling it with courage? I love that. That strikes a chord in me big time. Yeah. Sometimes old timers really. Sometimes the old timers (laughs) get it. it. (laughs) Lois, thanks for joining us today. Lois, indeed. It's been a real joy having you on.
2: Thanks, guys. It was great. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour.
1: Uh, Oh, let's
0: keep going. (laughs) I'm at the very wit's end. Now, if we're going to work together, you need to be perfectly honest. Tell me
1: about your life. Well, I'm engaged in a major double custody battle. How's that? Well, my wife doesn't want me, and my mother won't take me back. (laughs) it's really not that funny thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find A.A. Grapevine on Instagram and the A.A. Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about A.A., Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit AA.org.